Genesis 2.25 says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Hello and welcome back to Think This Way. This is the podcast of Faith Bible Church. I am Pastor Bryce. Today I have with me Elder Dan. Dan, thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Bryce. It's always a pleasure and an honor to do these things with you, and I, we both pray and hope that the listeners benefit greatly from it. Yeah, and I mean, today is no exception to that. We've been talking about family, and specifically we've been talking about marriage for several episodes, and the last episode that we did together, we ended, because it was on Genesis 2.24, which you should know, but it ended on the two shall become one flesh. I wanted to do one episode devoted to that, specifically to sexuality which is a part of that two becoming one flesh there, I know it can be, for some, an awkward topic. And we are not going to be walking on eggshells here, but I want you to know we are going to be delicate and thoughtful and not say unnecessary things. But also at the same time, uh, this is a part of marriage. It's by God's design and it's good as we're going to talk about. So it's not a bad thing. It is a beautiful, godly, wholesome topic. And it comes up, whether you don't want it to or not, it will be something you have to think about. It's just a part of life as we know it. So let's think about it the right way. I wanted to start by talking about, like I said, the stigma that can be there on this subject of sexuality among Christians. I do think this is different than it used to be um, but in the past, but still sometimes today, uh, Christians can think because they spent so much of their life fighting sexual immorality, maybe when they're single, fighting for purity, no to pornography, no to immorality, no, 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 and it's a hard fight, and you fight that, fight that. And then even after you get married, you still are saying no to everyone else. You're saying yes to your spouse and no to everyone else. Because it's such a hard fight, sometimes sex can take on a kind of negative stigma. And of course, the world celebrates it and lives for it, and we don't want to be like the world. But I do want to say, you know, Genesis 131, which we'll come back to, when God made the Garden of Eden and he looked at everything he'd made, including sexuality, and said, it's very good. But here, just starting with the stigma sometimes that we find with sexuality among Christians, uh, my question for you, Dan, is why do you think sexuality can, for some people, even as Christians, even in marriage, can feel bad or wrong? And if someone is struggling with that, how do they move toward a healthier view of sex? Well, I, I would say that there are three basic reasons why intimacy can feel bad or wrong for married couples. I would say the first would be the storms of life. When I say that, I mean that there's been a lack of communication, a sense that there's no connection. Or worse yet, when there have been arguments, selfishness, tension, anxieties over so many different concerns, exhaustion, misplaced priorities, lack of trust, suspicion, and stress instead of tenderness, thoughtfulness, unity, and fidelity. You know, there even something in a storm of life like a miscarriage can really unsettle a couple in their intimacy. It seems that the storms of life are the most common hindrances to the joy and closeness of sharing a marital bed. The second I would point to would be differences. There could be a difference in spoken or non-spoken preferences that either the husband or wife has. 
One partner may desire to participate more frequently than the other. Perhaps one of the spouses would like to have their time together filled with certain words, touches, or techniques that are either not expressed or undesirable by their husband or wife. If these are not addressed, understood, and lovingly, patiently, and selflessly accommodated, the delight of the union will be seriously impeded. Now, where there are physical issues, of course, we would highly recommend consultation with a physician. The third area I would say could be a reason why the train goes off the rails is background. Some intermarriage with a history vastly different from their beloved. These different paths might focus on their own activities, possibly including lack of self-control, infidelity, porn, self-gratification. It could include a lack of experience or some horrible experience to one or both spouses that could rightly be described as traumatizing. So having said that, and there could be others, but having said that, how do we move to a healthier view? First, I would recommend establishing a solid biblical understanding of God's beautiful, purposeful design for our sexuality. That would include not only an awareness of my responsibility to my spouse, but the need for a wonderfully strong and growing relational foundation where each partner understands their need to be loving, tender, patient, compassionate, solicitous, and growing as a husband or wife who seeks to serve the other. Now, second in this, I would eliminate every cultural artifact in my life that degrades and seeks to eliminate God's precious design of the treasure of blessed intimacy. Now, that can include books, articles, postings, news outlet, movies, among others, that would distract us, warp our view of what that should be. And third, I would prayerfully seek out and engage appropriate counsel from solid, discreet, and biblical counselors, and if necessary, medical professionals. That's excellent. That's actually really excellent. You know, sometimes when a couple is about to get married, um, there can be such a, depending on the situation, but there can be such an eagerness about the wedding night that it might be hard for a couple, you know, an engaged couple, ever to think like, we would never get to a place where we just wouldn't want to have sex, you know? Because it's like you desire so, you're so looking forward to that. Oh my goodness, you might be nervous, whatever. Uh, but then you get married and that's just a part of life. You do get to that place sometimes where there's not that same drive. And this is kind of repeating what we've talked about already, but, you know, sexuality itself within marriage can go sour. So more than just an, a one-off here or there, we're having a little issue, had a bad day. But in some people's marriages, it can go sour and intimacy can really suffer. And because there's a bit of a squeamishness about talking about sexuality as Christians, sometimes people just don't know where to turn. They're too embarrassed about it. Or maybe they don't turn to anywhere. You could have someone listening to this who's, you know, they know intimacy is not what it should be in their marriage. But what do you do about it? Who can you even talk to about that? That's kind of, I don't know, what do you do with that? So I thought I would just ask you that, Dan. You know, if someone's listening to this and intimacy in their marriage has just gone sour, what counsel do you have for them? Well, 
This is going to sound a little cheesy, but as we discussed, the storms of life, our differences and background issues can wreck our love boats <laughs> and leave that us tossed cheesy, about by the waves of emotion <laughs> I accept that. and non-biblical influences. <laughs> but um, in addition to prayer, discreet biblical counsel and counselors, focusing on the non-physical side of the relationship, because a lot of times it ain't about the plumbing, boys and girls. It's about your relationship with each other. Now, there are some books that have been very helpful for Christians dealing with these and similar matters. I would recommend two. Intended for Pleasure by Dr. and Mrs. Ed Wheat and Renewing Marital Intimacy by David Paulison. These are something that both spouses should read and prayerfully consider together if it goes beyond a relational issue. Because the relationship side, the heart side, is so much more impactful than simply the biology. Mm. Yeah, that's very well said. I know that book by Ed Wheat was hugely helpful for Michaela and I going into marriage, uh, you know, because God had protected us from what could have been. So we had gone into marriage not having slept with anybody. And that was a book that was very helpful for us. Just, uh, he's a, he was a doctor. He's passed away, I believe was a doctor and a believer, and just clear, frank discussion, well put, about what to expect and how to handle, especially issues that come up in intimacy. Again, you're not going to hear it from the pulpit, and it's not going to be a common conversation you have around the dinner table or something. And so if those issues come up, you'll hear this podcast. You won't hear many others like it, you know. And so having books to go to and having people that you can talk, like you said, have those discreet conversations with is such a huge thing. I don't want this episode just to be negative, although I've talked about negative things. Uh, but I want to turn now because like we said there in Genesis 1, God looked at sexuality and said it's very good, very good. I mean, very good. And so I thought we'd end on that note and just uh, ask you the question, what are some of the good purposes that were in God's mind when he designed sex for a monogamous marriage? Well, um, I'm going to steal some of your thunder from a previous podcast where you quoted the Book of Common Prayer. Oh, okay, okay. The union of husband and wife in heart, body, and mind is intended by God for their mutual joy, for the help and comfort given one another in prosperity and adversity, and when it is God's will for the procreation of children and their nurture in the knowledge and love of the Lord. God himself designed sex as a wonderful expression of love between a husband and wife. But those who use sex selfishly and apart from the Lord's design will experience untold heartache and personal ruin. MacArthur, John MacArthur says in one sermon, that God gave us marriage for six reasons, including procreation, pleasure, and purity. God gave us marriage and a sexual union where two become one so we could procreate, literally to make babies, populate the earth, and grow in fulfilling our goal as maturing as men, women, husbands, wives, fathers, and mothers. He also gave us sex within marriage for pleasure because it is an amazing bonding and cleaving experience with another person through all of the ups and downs of life. And it will change, as you alluded to. You know, the, the wonder and, and mystery of the marriage night will change and will grow and will mature and be different. 
God gave us our sexuality so we could, with another person for all the ups and downs of life, we could pursue purity and honor him in marriage as we channel our sexual desires into the right person within his perfect design of the sexual binary, male and female, two sexes, each with corresponding gender characteristics. We fight our natural appetites instead of continually sinning, feeling guilty and shameful all the time. God allows us to fulfill the desires that he instilled into our bodies with a good physical desire and a pure and godly way in marriage and marital delights. So we find the scriptures themselves talking about this. Proverbs 18.22, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 5.18, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated intoxicated some translators use always with her love the ephesians 5 passage that you referred to in another time husbands love your wives as christ also loved the church gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and blameless and here we are verse 28 so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his flesh, but nourished and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you is also to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that he, she respects her husband. And so while we may be squeamish about talking about the way God designed us, God himself is not holding back. He describes this wonderful gift that he's given to us to create this bond that, you know, he says, hey, what I brought together, no one should rip apart. Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. And those of you who are listening to this podcast, I hope and I pray that you who are married can indeed rejoice in the spouse of your youth and to delight in the design that God has given you, the gift God has given you. You know, speaking of the good of marriage, sexuality and marriage you kind of have to remind yourself since we live in a world that is sex crazed i mean in the west i probably i don't know everywhere but sex crazed it's out in the open it's on all the shows movies and it's all the most beautiful people having flings and all this stuff going on and always the portrayal is that christians are all about being fuddy-duddies who take away all the joy and happiness. That's what the Puritans were about. Nobody can be happy. We don't talk about sex. We talk about sin. Well, you know? yeah, except for one thing. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that in Puritan societies that there was a reality that if one spouse was withholding intimacy from the others, that spouse was fully free to go 
and disclose that to the elders and put that right person under church yeah. discipline. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I believe <laughs> Let's go, that. Puritans. Yeah. Go. <laughs> I mean, see, I mean, it's such a caricature of what Christianity is, especially in relation to sex. And I get it. You know, we are delicate in how we handle it. We don't want to... We are trying to be pure in many ways, say no to temptation. But it is worth saying that sexuality in a monogamous Christian marriage is the best sex in the world if you take the whole package together. And what you find in movies and TV shows and everywhere and people going out to clubs and picking people up and it looks very appealing. It's got lights. It's got everything, you know, and it can look so appealing. But we should remind ourselves it's not the best sex out there. It's really not. And God intended sexuality to be this full giving of two people to each other. And yes, within marriage, in a faithful, committed marriage with all the storms of life and the bodily changes and everything, it's not going to be uh, as physically incredible as your wedding night all the time, you know? And that's what people often are looking for when they move from one person, one partner, another partner, another partner, even that diminishing returns. But if you take it as a whole, the whole thing together, let us not forget that married sex by God's design is the it's the best kind that there is. Amen. It really is. It's very good. It's very good. You may be listening to this and it could be because of experiences in your past or just ways that you think that sex just seems dirty and wrong even within marriage. Or maybe you're someone who's struggling with sexual temptation and you've not considered that actually sex is meant to be a good thing in the proper confines, get married and enjoy it there. Whatever the case may be, may God help us all now by his grace to think this way. 